Welcome to the podcast version of Robots in Depth. This episode's interview is with Hans Kinblad and is produced in cooperation with Vivolver. Robots in Depth is supported by Aptomica. Visit aptomica.com to connect. You will find all past episodes and more on robotsindepth.com. Welcome to Robots in Depth. Today we're going to talk about MAM, Metal Additive Manufacturing, 3D Printing Metals. And we're going to do that with Hans Kinblad from Höganäs, a Swedish company actually. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, and we're going to try to together educate, especially robotics builders, I would presume, because most of the people watching the show work with robotics. But in general, I find all additive manufacturing such a great additive to our toolbox when we build things and be able to do it in stainless steel and other materials that are really strong just opens up a whole new field of possibilities. Could you give us an introduction to what this really is, how you do it and we'll take it from there? Absolutely. Uh, there are several different technologies for uh, uh, additive manufacturing, especially of metal. There are a couple of main different technologies. Me, myself, I represent uh, one specific technology that works with uh, binder jetting. It's a kind of technology, we call it, it's, it's a two-step technology where you bind metal powder together, l- layer by layer. In the first step, you're using a precision inkjet printer, basically, to glue metal particles. And you do this in layers of 35 micron. Then you have a separate step when you form the geometry, where you put the components into a sintering furnace. You do a heat cycle. The binder burns off and it shrinks and becomes a solid metal piece. This is the process that I represent. Then there are colleagues of mine, uh, or competition, or how you name it. Uh, I see them as colleagues because we are good at different kind of things. Um, the most common way of printing metal is what they call laser sintering, which actually is a melting process where you melt metal uh, powder layer by layer with a laser. Uh, and this is good for doing a bit larger components, for example. Uh, and then there are uh, some other technologies also, with, uh, more like welding technologies, where you're adding material from above. All technologies have the advantages and disadvantages, and it depends on what you need to produce. So it's, it's, I see it as great that we, all technologies exist, because it's cover up the field of different things you want to do. Yeah, of course. And, and you have to know when to choose one over the other. And this, of course, also between conventional uh, ways of producing things and these new technologies. Exactly. Uh, could you tell us uh, a bit about when you recommend your particular version of this technology? So we recommend vo- our version of the technology when we go for small parts that require high resolution and very good surface finishes. So this is uh, the main advantage of this process. We can print uh, very fine features and go very, very, uh, say we can get very, very nice fine details, fine walls and uh, uh, small holes, which you can't achieve with uh, the other processes. Uh, Our limitation, on the other hand, are the size. So we do basically up to 50 millimeters is what we recommend, but we can extend it. We can do 60, 70, maybe 80 millimeters. But when we go larger, we get uh, it gets harder and harder with our process. And somewhere thereafter, we actually recommend our customers to, to try the laser processes instead because it's not our strength. And we want to deliver 
great quality and good products to our customers. It's no use for us trying on things that we are not really good at. Yeah, and of course you want to build that relationship with the client over term, and if they're happy with what you do, that's of course uh, very important. Exactly. So when we're talking about 50, 60 millimeter cube, then is uh, of the finished part. That's that's where you where you aim at as the high end when it comes to size. Yes. Okay. Uh, you talked about the fine um, resolution, basically, we can talk about on wall thickness and, and, and dimensions of different objects. Can you mention a little bit what kind of wall thickness are we talking about and what limitations and opportunities there are thinking about the geometry you want to print? Yeah, so, so we can print uh, walls down to 300 micron. Uh, we can actually push it down against 200 micron if they're well supported by surrounding structures. It all depends on the geometry, mm. but 300 micron is a kind of recommendation. Holes, we say down to 200 micron. This could be pushed a little bit, but it also depends on how deep they are, because when we print, everything is packed with powder and we need to clean out the powder without destroying the parts. Mm. So, so this is a part of the limitation. Uh, the other limitation is just that we're going to be able to handle the part after printing it because after the first printing step when we glue the part together, if you do it very fine and thin, it's still a little bit fragile. And if it's a little bit solid, it's very easy to handle. And if it's very thin sections, you need to be careful. Mm. So, so we usually say the parts need to have a backbone to be able to produce them in a robust way. Parts of the part can be thin and then down to... 300 or f 200 microns, but other parts has to be substantial enough so that you can grip onto it, tra traversing through the, the solution, the yeah. system. Yeah, this is basically the true. Mm. Uh, and, and the exception is if you have a very good network of connections within the part, you can actually have only thin walls. It mm. works, mm. but then you need like the network to, to holding it together. So there must be a, still a structure. Mm. You can't only have one very thin wall, it will will be hard to handle. Mm. And, and, and as you say, you also have to be able to get uh, access or, or n the non, uh, the, the powder that's not making up the finished part out of there. So you can't have uh, cavities that are not open to the, to the rest of the world to get the powder out, I would presume. Exactly. So this is very important. Uh, if you have powder uh, contained somewhere and mm. you can't get it out, it will actually become a part of a s the solid metal piece in the end. Mm. So it's basically, it won't be a hollow space if you can't clean out the powder. Problem. Well, I, I see it as it's, uh, it's not, a, of course, it's not a problem uh, for the process, except you don't get what you want, and ah, that's okay. a problem. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so usually we have to verify that uh, the geometry we printed is the geometry requested by our customers. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I would say it's important to be able to clean mm. all areas that need to be cleaned, basically. How is that done? Is it, uh, could you describe the cleaning process so that we can, can relate to that when we're designing parts? Sure. Today the cleaning is uh, done manually. We're working on trying to make this more optimized. Uh, you clean within a, c a contained box uh, with a compressed air and brushes. You try to get the, the, the powder out. Mm. And it's usually not that hard. It's when you really do two you know, very difficult pieces, very long channels. If you do mm. one millimeter channel, it can be very long and you can still get the powder out. But mm. if you do a 200 micron channel, uh, you start to get limitation of after maybe uh, some millimeters. So, mm. so it's the, the size and length relate you that actually makes what's possible. And it also depends if it's a blind hole or it's a... Uh, Through hole. Exactly. Mm. So, so this is... 
Uh, and the way we usually handle this when we get uh, inquiries or requests from customers is that we give them advice. We look at mm -hmm. them, we can give them basic design rules, but this will just give a general clue of what's suitable or feasible. And the design rules is usually set up in a way that you're supposed to succeed if you follow the design rules, which make them a bit conservative. Uh, and of course, uh, you want to push the technology a bit. So, so in that way, we, we actually look at all files uh, and we, we will let our customer know what we believe is good or what could be better or if they need to redesign and guide them through the process to get the, the most out of the process. You really have to do this for the whole industrial process. You have to design for manufacturability and this exactly. is part of this and exactly. assembly and, and all these other things, right? Uh, so Yeah, uh, and this is, you know, unfortunately true with 3D printing is, is uh, it's usually marketed as yeah. a thing that can do exactly everything without limitations. But all processes have their limitation. It's just for 3D printing, the limitation is totally different. It's not yeah. what you're used with. It's a total set of new rules. Uh, so usually the thing, some things that's very easy to manufacture conventionally can actually be hard with 3D printing. But then it's usually the opposite. The things that's very hard to do conventional can be very easy with 3D printing. What we, what I, a concept I hear usually when I talk to people about 3D printing is that complexity is free. You can do really complex parts as long as you adhere to these rules. And that doesn't take any time. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Um, as it does if you're supposed to mill or, or do that on a lathe. Um, but you have to be aware of this. It has to have support while printing. How is it when you do it? Does the powder support um, the part while it's being printed? Uh, we see this in plastic 3D printing that they add support going from the print basin up to a, a part of, of something you're trying to print. Could you talk about how you design support for it uh, during first the printing and then the heat t treatment process? Absolutely. So while printing, we never know, need any support in our process. Because the powder does that for us, right? Exactly. And mm. it's, uh, it's uh, in room temperature, so mm. there are no heat involved. Mm. So we can print whatever we want in the powder bed, basically. Mm. Then in the sintering process, we have a uh, close to 20% shrinkage. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you have to th consider how it shrinks. If the components have a good flat, you don't need to consider or have any support usually. Uh, it depends a little bit how, how it looks. Most of small components don't need any support. Uh, some designs can be uh, tricky. If they're very large overhangs, maybe you need to put something to support them. If you do, uh, 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 usually you can support them with ceramic support, so you mm. will stack different kinds of ceramics to make it work. Mm. And uh, if you have very, very difficult uh, cases, you can actually add the support in the printing that will make it work, and then you will have to cut it loose. But we try to avoid that because it adds a lot of extra work, and it also, you need to, to you know, work on the piece where you cut off the support, you get marks and things, and hmm. this is a disadvantage. Last uh, solution of last resort. Mm. And this is something that's quite unique with the binder jetting process that we work with, that you don't need support. If you look at the, all the other metal printing support, or the metal printing processes, you normally need support. I'm not a, I can't claim I'm an expert on the other metal printing processes. Mm. Uh, but generally what I learned that most of them need uh, uh, support of several reasons. It's both because you're melting the top layer all the time, so you get a lot of stresses when it solidifies each layer that builds up and you need to have a thick plate in the bottom to make sure that it doesn't distort during printing. And also you need the heat removal. 
and we don't have any of those problems in our printing our printing process. So that's one of the great advantages. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, we're talking about this metal powder. It, it looks like it's a very fine powder, I understand, like talcum powder. Or can you talk a little bit about the powder? Yes, uh, we work with a very fine powder. Uh, normally, we don't reveal exactly <laughs> the, uh, the size of the powder we work with, but I can say uh, it's a very fine powder. Mm. Uh, or, or the different processes within metal AM all uses uh, fine powder but it's a different range. Mm. So I can say it's the range is usually everything between 10 micrometer to, to 70 micrometer probably, and it differs for different processes. Mm. As, as one of the uh, core knowledge of my company is powders, because the core business is to produce powders. Mm. Mm. Uh, so this, this interest in, in this form of 3D printing came from the fact that you were good at powders, and you think, how can we expand the envelope, what we can do with powders, right? Exactly. So, so we we very much a material-based company. We're very confident with uh, powders and the sintering process and everything, and we saw the advantages of this process. We thought this this is the correct process to use for us because this we know how to do. Mm-hmm. And I guess the powder itself is is very is a very critical part of this uh, this technique. And yes. playing on your strength there would the, be significant. The quality of the powder is absolutely critical to get a, a good result. Mm. And then it's a very good to have a reliable suppliers to trust. Yeah. So we're talking about stainless steel here, right? Can you talk about uh, the material properties of the finished product? Yes, uh, so after sintering we reach a density of uh, minimum 97% and this is uh, comply with the uh, material standards f- for such processes and we do also fulfill uh, uh, all material standards for the material itself. So for the stainless steel we, we fulfill the standard for uh, 316L, the material grade is called, it's usually also known as the marine grade of uh, stainless steel. So it's a very high quality. Um, you can use it for uh, medical tools or for dental tools and, and so on. It also works good for skin contact. And I would say that you have all the properties that you expect from the standard stainless steel, which is a very good material. Mm. And uh, this is a thing that I actually have to say that most of the colleagues and the competition are very good at well, uh, good at as well. They also have a good material quality. Mm. So this is uh, for almost all or all the once working within additive manufacturing metal, they, they really look into the quality of the metal. Mm. Just for curiosity's sake, you say 97%, where, what's the other 3%? Well, so this is actually quite fun because there is a definition uh, within AM that say mm. that if you're above uh, 99.5 or 99.8, I don't remember the mm. exact figure, uh, then it's 100%. Then you call it 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no steel is 100%. There is always some well, contaminations, even if very, very, very small. Mm. And in, in our case, it's also small, small voids. So it's pores that's mm. very, very fine, very well distributed. And uh, we get a lot of questions of this because mm. people are afraid of pores because it affects the mechanical properties and, uh, and, and the quality. Mm. But for example, if you do a casting, mm you usually get uh, also pores because mm. of the process mm. and the pores usually end up in, in the middle of the casting where it's solidified mm. last. We saw uh, that if you if you have a made ice cube you see that that the bubbles uh, gather in the middle. Yeah basically mm. it's very similar mm. 
and those bubbles get actually larger. Mm. So, so uh, even if they have a, a maybe a less porosity overall, you have a, a very big pores somewhere that will affect your casting. And you can control where they are. In your parts, I understand that they're evenly distributed. Yeah, so, so in powder metallurgy, it's very quite common, but you have a porous material. But still, it's very, very well distributed. You are very n well aware where it will end up and you can predict the, the mechanical performance very well. Mm. Does this affect, the, we talked about the small wall thickness, and does these pores, are, how are they in size related to the dimensions we talked about, two, th three to 200 microns? Are these so magnitudes smaller than the voids, right? They, they are a minimum a magnitude of 10, or mm. sorry, this, the magnitude at least 10. Yeah, yeah, okay, so, 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 so you can, even in the small sections of the parts, you can actually just disregard them, right? Yeah, so, mm. so basically in the material, you get what we call a closed porosity. Mm. So they are not communicated with, with the British ah, okay. so it's gas and water tight. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's another important factor that, that you mentioned there, that they're not connected to each other. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, we, we're talking surface finish when they come out is not shiny but you can treat them afterwards I understand is there anything that you should think of when designing okay here I need a certain surface finish is that something you should take into consideration yes and I will say this is same as all kind of manufacturing processes you will get different surface from the process that you choose to manufacture with additive manufacturing in general provides uh, a bit less good surfaces than you get with uh, uh, processes where you use tools because then the tool form the surface. In our case, the surface is formed from the process. We all the time try to improve the surfaces and I, I almost dare to, to claim that we are one of the one can provide the best surfaces of the printer basically. Uh, then if you need a specific surface, you, you have to start to look at what kind of surface do you need and how to achieve it. And it will also depend on what kind of geometry you want to treat because you will treat inside geometries different than outside geometries. We, we have a range of in-house services that we su uh, supply with different kind of technologies and, and some are quite simple like shot pinning or blasting. Uh, that's very well-known technology. So some are a bit more complex with the tumbling uh, or chemical processes so mm. on but you have to tailor the the, the uh, finishing process depending on what surface you need and how the geometry looks mm. Mm. and one big advantage of 3d printing in general and of course this metal 3d printing is that we can reduce the number of components so we can talk about uh, routing hydraulic fluids we can talk about creating very useful complex geometries. I also understand that you can actually print in the threads when I need to attach the part to something and when I need to attach something to the part. I can actually print in the thread rather than actually tapering the way we usually do. Exactly and this is as you spoke about earlier the complexity comes for free. So if you want to add features, if you want to add textures on the outside, if you want the part to look like it's made of leather or uh, if you want to do more holes or things, this is nothing that costs more because it's the same time for producing it as long as it it's, uh, don't uh, cause more pieces to break during production or anything. It will be exactly the same cost of producing it mm. and, and it's therefore you sh should use the technology for complex parts. Uh, so threads is absolutely no problem in adding and one thing there is you can add thread uh, or through the whole, uh, whole hole uh, mm. for a blind hole for example mm. which would be hard to produce with a, 
uh, normal machining. Yeah, yeah. So you can. That means you can actually use a shallower hole because all of the hole is threaded, and and the bolt length you've decided you need to to give the strength you need can use that hole or more or less the whole uh, depth of the hole to to, to create that that um, the the necessary force. Yes, and sometimes uh, in the bottom of the hole you want some feature or some channel or something, and you want you will will like to have this very sharp feature, mm. which is impossible to machine and there you can actually use the technology very well. Can we also do for instance valve seats or, or, or gasket seats? Um, is that also something that's possible? Uh, yes, it all depends on that uh, the material that we supply fulfill the requirements for the application basically but this is product development so mm. Uh, mm. absolutely. Again then we'll add we add more to the printing process and less post-processing. Post yeah, yeah. We, we, we've been talking about this stainless steel. I'm sure the listeners are interested if other materials are available and what properties they have. So, so for the moment being, we're supplying uh, two different kinds of stainless steel. Mm. Uh, the most common one is uh, 316, that is a very common grade. We have another grade called 174PH, uh, which, which is a copper dispersion hardened uh, grade of stainless steel. Uh, and, and it's much more stronger, uh, so you can use it for more high-strength applications. We've talked about the size of the parts, the resolution, the materials. We, we haven't talked anything about non-metallic uh, materials, like insulating ceramics, uh, I mean electrically insulating is, uh, ceramics. Is that something that would be possible? Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nothing that we focus at as a company since we are, have our co core knowledge in, in uh, metals. Mm, okay, uh, okay. But uh, as uh, seeing a lot of different things happening in this industry while I'm uh, traveling, mm -hmm. uh, I've seen a lot of uh, work doing with uh, ceramics and also combined ceramics and metals. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is one part you can do. Mm. Then you also have the, the part that works with printed electronics. That's very interesting where they actually print uh, components and, uh, and silver path on, on the circuit boards and they sinter it with the xenon flash basically and you have working because circuits. Because uh, it's so little material, the flash is enough, right? Yeah, well, it's, uh, the material is what you call a na nano-sized mm -hmm. uh, particle size. Uh, and then it's a lot of surface energy that actually drives the sintering process. So the, this flash is enough to make the nanoparticles uh, 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 sinter. They mm. absorb uh, the, the energy very well and the substrate around don't absorb the energy that well. Uh, no, you don't want to melt the substrate. So mm. this is a very clever process. Mm, very and, interesting. And this, this is usually called two and a half D printing. And it's nothing we are involved in really, but I think mm. it's a very interesting uh, yeah, process develop basically. Mm. We haven't mentioned the, the, the number of units you have to make and, and, and stuff like that. I guess you can make one of them, but what's the up top? What, where would you say that approaching another way of doing it might be better? Is it 5,000 units a year or 10,000? Or I, I would say it, it totally depends on the design mm. and it depends on the size. So for example, for small components, very small components, if you speak millimeter size with fine features, mm. maybe it's, it's uh, already today uh, very profitable to use additive manufacturing instead of any other technology because it will be the cheapest way of production. Mm. And you can do basically unlimited series size if they're small enough. Mm. If you go for larger uh, components, that, then it uh, uh, can be cheaper to do it with uh, traditional manufacturing. 
uh, I usually tell our customers if you can do this really cheap and easy with conventional uh, methods like uh, uh, then you probably should mm. because uh, additive manufacturing is still uh, uh, kind of uh, it's 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 not a very efficient or fast method of producing components but it can be for certain kind of components mm. so I, I it's not like I try to scare people mm -hmm. it just have a, a, a reasonable expectation. Exactly. Mm. So, so we have some components uh, today already, industrial components that we produce in, in a, a sales size of 25,000 pieces per year. Mm. And I believe we are probably one of the first that uh, first producers doing that big uh, sales size for industrial applications. And it shows that a relatively uh, not too high-tech application actually uh, is, is uh, interesting for, for this technology as well. You don't need to be aerospace you could to be able to enter the technology. Mm. So that's an important point. But still, if you can do uh, mass production cheap by stamping, mm. we will never compete. No, that's course. not your area. And I guess also if you can do it that way and that suits your project, you, there's no need to redesign it. Th this is, I would presume it's better to employ these new technologies where you have a problem of achieving your result with conventional technology. You need to be lighter, stronger, or, or something like that. Yeah, and a very common way where you see additive manufacturing get uh, beneficial is, for example, when you have complex products that you need to assemble several parts to get the function. Say that you have five parts that you need to laser weld together to get a complete part. And this is, of course, both complex and expensive. If you can just print it in one go, th then you save a lot of money. Mm. So, so it's also how you set up the production of the part will also affect. Mm. So of course you need to catch the added value. Mm. But still I want to, to claim that if you go for uh, very small parts where the processes can be very productive, maybe it don't have to be adapted for additive manufacturing to be beneficial. Mm. So, so that's also very interesting. Very. I guess it's hard to talk about cost for a part because that depends on, on a number of different factors. Could you give us any inclination to, if somebody's out there, they're, they're probably developing robot, their robot right now and they need that fast turnaround, they can just send you the file and print it. Can you talk anything about what, that, what costs they should expect? Uh, this is something that's very hard to judge uh, as yeah, a I general. So, so my advice is, is to contact us if you need parts. If you want to do, you know, like a simple way to get a clue of the cost, there are a lot of different web services you can go to and see what they um, try to figure out the cost, but they will limit you quite much in possible designs and so on. Mm. But it, it will give a clue of what the cost range is. Mm. And then, of course, if, if you order larger series, if you have a, uh, and so on, uh, the prices will be better. Mm. Even if it's a technology that's uh, don't differ that much if you do very high amount or you do very low amount. But of course, doing one-off will always be more expensive than doing at least 50 or 100 or 1,000. Yeah, but there is, that's actually something you kind of nearly mentioned there, is that it's definitely suitable for one or two or three components. And it's also when developing and doing prototypes, and even in the beginning of a company's life, we see lots of companies actually starting out selling their 3D printed production, because for instance, injection molded plastic is very expensive to develop the form. It's certainly a, a production method that, that start of tens of thousands of units or even hundreds of thousands of units. Um, so, if you fit this into your uh, production schedule or, or your production line, uh, 
for an early company, that still might be the best way of doing it because you don't have to pay for that mold. You don't have to pay for the classical setup that you have with uh, regular production. Yeah, so this is also an area that's very interesting when you go for before really scaling up. Uh, and as you mentioned, some, some of the production method, you need 10,000 to, to tool up. Minimum, minimum. Huh? Yeah, uh, and uh, 10,000 is a very good uh, volume for 3D printing. So then it's very interesting and you can get a, a cost-efficient solution for that. Mm. And it's also so that, uh, I guess, say we've designed the product, we've designed this file, we've taken all things into consideration. We have now done a run of, say, 5,000 units. We need another 2,500 units. And, and suddenly we, we start to, uh, to have a need for spare parts. Um, how do you integrate spare? Say I need then to print just 30, but it's the same 30 as I already printed. Uh, how does this spare spare parts on demand, so to speak, fit into this? Uh... It, it makes life very simple. Uh, we've seen some producers, they, they don't ch change the sign on the... Uh, you know the products more than every 10 years because it's so expensive to change tool and keep spare parts and everything. Now they can change every second year and it's easy to go back and print old spare parts because we just need a CAD file and we mm. can print uh, one, we can print 10 or 20, what, whatever you need basically. And, and that, also needs, that also gives you the opportunity to develop your product uh, at a faster pace, but not only because of prototyping it easier, but it's also from a business perspective it's easier. You don't have to maintain uh, a store of all those spare parts that you go through if you release to the market more often. Yes, uh, and it's true. And this, this is... Uh, general advantage that apply to all additive manufacturing, not only the metal one, I would say. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about this kind of in a vacuum now. Now you have to tell us, and I guess some of your customers don't want you to talk about what you're printing for them, but can you tell us some really cool things that you've printed? And, and, and so, so, so we do a very wide range of things. So basically everywhere where you need small complex parts. So it's everything from jewelry uh, mm. and some for well-known brands mm. to all the range through the industrial components and to the medical and dental applications uh, toolings uh, and parts for, for uh, equipment and so on so it's a, a tremendous wide range you find you find components in all kind of applications mm. uh, which I find very interesting I can of course not mention specific uh, customers mm. uh, but still even if I would love to mention some of them. <laughs> uh, one thing we haven't touched on is the fact that you can actually make what, we, what, what I describe as interlinked components in one step. I've seen you do a small whistle where the ball is already in there. I've seen you do chain mail. Great product, thousand years too late. Uh, can you talk a bit about how we can produce finished parts with multiple components at once, uh, because that is to a certain degree possible. Yes, uh, I understand. but but uh, it, it doesn't come without uh, some difficulties. No, of course. Unfortunately. Mm. So basically when we do interlocking parts, there need to be a gap so we can clean out the powder and get them to move. And we, when we run it through the sintering cycle, it will attach a little bit and we usually can break it loose. So it's, it's not always perfectly easy. For some products it's very clever. Uh, but sometimes you shall avoid it. So it's also, you know, a balance when, when to do it and when not to. Mm. But there is a potential there. In some situations you can actually do that and have it work. Absolutely. Hmm, very interesting, very interesting. That, that just, f from coming from a more classical um, engineering background, that just blows my mind. I have seen the chain mail. We should, 
I should get a short video sequence of for that, uh, and I'll put it in the end of the video if I can. Yeah, because it, it's it's amazing to see that 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 was printed in one go, and it can. It 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 say that you had that need. Doing chain mail is very complicated and takes a long time. But when you print it, complexity is for free. Yeah. And you just break it apart, and then it's already done. Um, that's really impressive. Yeah. Another uh, thing the customer or the customer out there would have to talk to you about and see: Can this be done that way? Huh? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, mm. so mm. this is a part of the judgment: what's possible, mm. uh, what's clever, and what's not, and so on. Mm. Mm. Just because you can do do something doesn't mean it's the best way of doing it. No, no, we, we, that has to be a process. And I think also that we, at least the community as a large, is quite used to the old way of doing things so they've already got that in their mind but here comes something totally new and we have to relearn we have to le learn new stuff and that takes time of course but when we do we can start to think about that in a natural way too this is absolutely true but still also i will uh, say that designers is uh, they are quite fast to adapt new technology actually mm. so so it's usually mentioned that it's a problem to understand the technology know how you can use it but I would say as soon people start to work with it, they get it quite fast and they will learn to push it. So yeah, it's I think just to get started. The freedom you get from doing this, that complexity is free, which might be underestimated when we say it this simply, but it is a really powerful concept. It is. And, and it's, I guess, for a designer that has a problem to solve, it's very addictive to have that opportunity. Huh? Absolutely. Very nice. Thank you very much for taking the time to do an interview and to inform us about this uh, very interesting opportunities. Thank you. I'm very grateful for being invited. Thank you. I hope you liked this episode of the podcast version of Robots in Depth. This episode is produced together with Vvolver. Vvolver is a platform and community providing engineers informative content that help them innovate. It's how engineers stay cutting edge. Optomica is the founding sponsor for Robots in Depth. Optomica rents anything in modular robotics. Dream, rent, build. Visit optomica.com to connect. I'm your host, Per Sherboy. Until the next episode, thank you for listening.